You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show. You're joined by Clancy Overall and Effie Bateman. And today's guest is uh, one we're excited to have on the show because he's telling a story that I guess holds a place in all of our hearts as Queenslanders. It's a story that will probably be told for 100 years, maybe more. Uh, the story of Wayne Bennett. And, and, you know, it's been told before. And I'll get into that in a second. But this is an interesting way. And I feel like we've kind of got it, uh, what would you call it? In the music industry, you'd say unplugged. You know, this is unplugged. <laughs> Andrew Webster, thank you for joining us. Thank you for telling the story. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us on the Batura Radio Show. Thank you. What an honor to be here. Been a big admirer of your work for a long time. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I, I started my career with the Coffs Harbour Advocate. No, no oh, relation, right. no. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no relation. Um, and, you know, people say that as well about our rugby league team, the Batuta Dolphins, but there's no relation there either. We'd, we'd love to be a feeder club for the NRL, but uh, we, it tends to go the other way around. The players come back to Batuta. I noticed rugby league has a lot of, uh, lot of material for you guys to work with. Mm. And you, mate. Mm. And you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you. You get uh, you get a lot of work too, I guess. It's an interesting game. It's an interesting part of the Australian psyche, and a lot of people, and even Victorians who you know will die in the wool, will not acknowledge its existence. Know the names of the people that they wish they didn't. They know the, the Willie Masons. They know they the Wayne Bennett, and that's a big one I want to talk about. He's obviously going to be remembered as I don't know what the equivalent is in America or in British sport or elsewhere in the world. But he, he's, he's got this kind of folklore around him now where it's going to be hard to see anyone surpass that. I, I don't think we will. We, no, we won't. No. Well, this year he coached his 900th first grade game. So, yeah. <laughs> like, Wayne's turned 73 on the 1st of January this year and I don't think he's shown any any sign that he wants to stop yeah. you know I think it just drives him so much I think and that's the that was the interesting theme that I got out of the book is that he is part <laughs> he's is a, there's the coach and there's the man and the, yeah. the longer time goes the more he's wrapped up in his own mythology and his yeah. own his own legend as yeah. a coach but what he did with the Dolphins this year and all these successes over the last few years just shows you he's not aging at all so the wolf you feed it comes from the famous old yarn your book's titled the wolf you feed and it comes from the i guess you'd say Cherokee kind of oral history of uh, there's two wolves inside yeah. you one's evil one's good the one that you feed will thrive. Mm. Is that what we're talking about here? The mythology yes. and the ego is the evil and the coach and the gentleman is the good. I think it's more the fact that – and the, the reason why I use it is, one, he uses it all the time yeah. and he uses it both with his players and in, in terms of public speaking yeah. all the time and more and more often. He, that's what he told me. But it was interesting that both former players and members of his family and others said to me, Read that parable because that sums him up. Because yeah. and one's a coach and one's the man, yeah. and he feeds the coach more and more because it feeds his ego, yeah. um, and that's the thing that's shining through. But in the world of sport, is an ego pivotal to success? A hundred percent. Yeah, like that's the thing. He has yeah. to be that type of yeah. that type of coach. Otherwise, you'd, like you tell me, a coach that doesn't have an ego that isn't yeah. that isn't self selfish that isn't prepared to you know tread on toes that isn't prepared to burn players, burn officials to get what he wants. That's yeah. the nature of professional sport. But I found that really interesting because 
married up against the man because he's such a principled and moral sort of arbiter of other everyone else in his world yeah. in both sport and his yeah, own private life. Well, it doesn't, it's, doesn't hard, it's hard. It's hard. Gamble. It's hard for the two to marry up. Yeah. Mm. So that's where I just found him really complex, and that's why. I it's, is that, is that why you do? Because I was going to say Lee Sales told us that. Wayne Bennett's a strange story. To this day, is one of the number ones. Yeah, one of, one of the biggest episodes to to go out on the ABC. Don't die with the music, and you might have been the first rugby league book anyone read. Wayne Bennett's autobiography, Ghost Written, uh, or maybe was it what you call it? Was it? more more a sort of part motivational one. Yeah, right. really. Yeah, but the Man in the Mirror was the last one he did in two thousand and eight. Yeah, and that was more the autobiography with yeah. the. But the whole reason so, why... Yeah, that's the, what I want to ask. What, what, what do you think you have here that, that tells the story of Wayne? Like, I mean, obviously, because, it's not Wayne telling the story. That's a big part that's of it. That's the thing. <laughs> and I think Wayne's been very good at creating the own, his own narrative about himself, yeah. as we all do. But I just found, because of his stature, yeah. because of everything he's done since that last book in 2008, and like, there's so much more to his story yeah. since... And I'd actually talked to Wayne about doing this years ago of a, a book where I talked to all these different people in his life and yeah. enemies, allies, everybody, really, mm. that's, that's been touched by him. So I, I would have interviewed over 200 people for this book. I want to know what a sworn enemy of Wayne Bennett looks like. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading the book now. I'm really enjoying it. But no one actually says if they are. No, they're all, they all dance around a little <laughs> yeah. bit. They're but, too but, scared. But I don't think they'd be – yeah, a lot of people spoke off the record. But yeah. people like Wally Lewis and Gordon Tallis – Mal Meninga as well. They, they all, butt heads. They were all, they were all very honest, they were all very raw and honest about the times they've been let down by Wayne Bennett. Yeah, right. Yeah, so but there are certainly sworn enemies. There's some big Queensland names you just rattled off. I, exactly. <laughs> There's certainly some sworn enemies that were diplomatic in what they said publicly, but privately they'll tell you another other yeah. things. You know, one, one sworn enemy is definitely Nick Politis from the Roosters who yeah. gets out the one wood midway through the book about the time in 2006 when Wayne was coming and then he. He did and reneged on the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he did. So Nick, Nick, the Godfather, he yeah. he's a sworn enemy who went went pretty hard and went public with it. Mm. I kind of want to talk about that. Does Wayne burn people because he's feeding the wrong wolf? <laughs> he gets out of control of what he's doing with this with this career and this and this man. Yeah, that he's, this, yeah, this, for sure. Yeah, I think he's very um, like all the very good coaches. Yeah. They'll do whatever they can to win. Yeah. And I think it's. I found it really funny when Wayne said, "I'll never do anything unethical," even though he doctored up a tip sheet for about the about St George in the '93 Grand Final, and you know yeah. he'll he'll take some underhanded methods, but doesn't think anything yeah. underhanded about it. Yeah. So I think he. I certainly he think he. I certainly think he believes his own bullshit yeah. in many regards. Yeah. But he, that's what makes him so fascinating. How did you get him? Because from what I've heard, he keeps his cards very close to his chest. He doesn't like talking to press. Uh, how did you get him to like not only talk to you but even talk about like the intimate day details of the marriage breakdown? What was your secret? I was just very upfront with him. Mm. I caught he's very smart, Wayne. Like so, when I, I, this is my eighth book, yeah. some of I've written, um, some I've ghost written, some I haven't. The last few books I wrote, I just didn't have control over them when you when you ghost write them. So this one, I really wanted to be in control of the whole project. And as soon as I did the deal, I called him. And I actually, I called him on a, on a Friday afternoon and he didn't get back to me. He just went straight to voicemail. And then he called back about 10 o'clock that Friday night. I was a few schooners in, decided not to take it. I thought, you know what, probably, 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 probably not, not the right time to see him walk by. Yeah. See, he's he's used to young blokes answering, pretending they're not at pubs. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm on the train, coach. Um, so I, I texted him at, at six o'clock the next morning and said, 
sorry, I've only heard your message. Can we talk now? Oh, can we talk sometime today? Yeah. And he texted back straight away, now. And I said, look, I'm going to write a book about you. And he said, well, how can you do that without someone's permission? And I said, I don't have to. But, look, it's going to be fair and balanced, raw and honest. But, you know, it's not going to be a hatchet job. I think it's a a well-researched and well-interviewed biography. So I just wanted you to hear it from me instead of the rugby league grapevine. And then he went dead quiet. And he has these these legendary pregnant pauses, Wayne, where, you know, he puts all all the heat back on the person on the other end of the line. And then... He said, well, look, if you're going to do it, then I want it to be done properly. I'll give you whatever you want. Right. So, yeah. but And from that moment on, I just wondered whether he was trying to manipulate yeah, me. Like, like me. he has yeah. all these generations of footballers <laughs> and he's doing it to me. So, But he was very good, Wayne. I've I got to give him credit. And there was no area that – the only thing that he was very sensitive about was his relationship – uh, breakdown with yep. his wife Trish and his new relationship with his partner Dale. Yeah. So that was the sensitive area. That's the one part he didn't want me to go into. But as I explained to him, I said, mate, I can't just pick, you know, certain parts of your private life yeah, yeah, when yeah. it's so imp- it's so wrapped yeah. up in the person and the coach that you are and ignore that as well. Yeah. So yeah, it, that it, was a tricky balance. The, the average Queenslander He's obviously, aside from all of the silverware that Wayne Bennett has provided us, are drawn to the man. He could have had half the win rate he had, and we were still kind of, you know, been drawn to him. I think that was because he always looked like he was no nonsense. He always looked like, you know, the media thing. He, he wouldn't talk to the media. He'd, he'd, he'd give one word answers. Yep. He'd crush journalists with with a stare, mm. um, and we always, you know, resented. The shit stirring as well in in rugby league media. Obviously, we, you resent that you know the gotcha questions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. He, he could he could handball all of them. Looking back, it looks like you know everyone was thinking at that time, particularly the height of the Broncos. Wayne Bennett's not here for this. He's here to coach. But I guess what you're saying here is that's part of it too. What he's doing Absolutely. there in front of the media right yeah. there is 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 not it's not him not being interested. It's him playing a game right now that's going to directly result and affect what's happening on the field. I think early on there it was out of necessity like he explains in great detail and so does his brother Bob about how in not insecure just he's he's shy. Yeah. He's a shy guy. Grew up in a small town, you know, outside of Warwick yeah. in southeast Queensland. A small town outside a of small, small town. town yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like he came from, he came from nothing, but he was he he's in his words, he's introverted, and he ve- found it very hard speaking publicly. Now I, I cop that. I said to him, I cop that to a to a point. Yeah. But I think in time he certainly worked out how the one how to use the media, mm-hmm. and he's become an expert at that. But I think he also loved the persona. Yeah, you know, that's he loved the, the mystique. Doesn't he loved it? the Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. That's what it was. Persona, yeah, you know? yeah. Although he compares himself more to Kevin Costner in, oh, what's the what's the stand show? Uh, uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah, he, wants so, yeah, yeah. See, he thinks he's. In, oh, he, okay. think, yeah, he thinks he's more. <laughs> he, he, people could compare him to. Uh, Costner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw a good I'm sure take both. Reddit uh, comment that someone's like he's uh, like Clint Eastwood's character in Gran Torino. Yeah. He's very much Gran Torino. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, we can get into all of that too. His ability to understand cultural nuances, which is very Gran Torino. You know, there's the story of the young Asian boy and the and the old factory worker for you know, old-fashioned kind of Chicago, you know, white elderly man. Wayne Bennett has that. He has that, and he was the first to understand how to coach Polynesian players. He was yeah. the first to get the best out of Polynesian players in ways that couldn't, and we saw it happen with the, with the Rabbitohs in 2000 and with Falago. You know, it was a, it was a blow up between the coach and the player yeah. that lasted years. Yes. you know, and it came out at a you know at a, at a post season event. 
Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Forrester's Hotel. Yeah. I've seen the footage. He took... He, he, <laughs> I've seen the he footage. Went, he went he body did, surfing downstairs, he did, did he? did the crane from Karate Kid and <laughs> yeah. Dave Vologo went whack, whack and yeah. JT went down the yeah. stairs and then got sacked. And then that and that Patrick Skeen talks about this in Olsen Filipana's book. When we had that first wave of Polynesian talent in the NRL, uh, a lot of it kind of came through in the Super League war when there was heaps of teams to fill and people weren't being guided by prejudices and we just kind of had to fill the team with fast young players and that's when the Polynesian guys started coming through. The old school coach would yell at athletes. They'd treat Polynesian players the same way they treat their own kids or their own sons, which would be, look at me when I'm talking to you, which doesn't work. It's not a cultural... You can't do... An Aboriginal um, Torres Strait Islander football is the same. It's a sign of disrespect in their culture, in many cultures in the South Pacific, to be looking at the person who's reprimanding you. Whereas, you know, in you know the Australian white bread kind of Aussie culture, it's a sign of respect. To it. But you know, when you when you can't get that right, no. you've lost a player at the start. Wayne's, I reckon, the one of the major factors behind his success is that he can treat all these different players in different ways and customize. But, but also, but also, not seem like he's giving preferential treatment to others yeah. ahead of the rest of the group. Yeah. You know, and he's just he, he plays on that being so much older than the rest of them. Like I think yeah. when he was at South, he he used to walk into the gym there and said, "Turn this dollar fifty shit off." Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but knowing that knowing that he was you know stuffing it up, Gonna but they lo- but they but they but they all loved him for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he played up to it. Yeah. And that's sort of that's the genius of him. You know, yeah. he just he just knows exactly what to say mm. and when and yeah. at what time after a loss or a win or yeah. just that's and that's why he's won seven premierships. He was um. In the Queensland police force, right? Mm. Do you reckon that would have helped him, especially reining in rowdy boys? I think it helped him. He came from his uncle, Uncle Eddie Brosnan, was a famous f- footballer and policeman. Mm. And I think he always just wanted to be like his like his uncle. So yeah. that's why he went into the police force. It's funny, he said the thing, but he hated it. He hated the death knocks and he hated the, yeah. you know, the, the terrible things that police officers see. But he yeah. did like the fact that you could lock up protesters uuni <laughs> <laughs> students in the 70s yeah, yeah, yeah. That was there's a, photos actually said, yeah that was the upshot of it yeah I've seen yeah. there's a photo of him locking up a guy dressed as a clown I can't remember <laughs> I, I yeah. didn't see that one yeah it's, it's somewhere but it's funny there's a great there's great mug shots of him from um, from his service record and he looks exactly the same but just less hair yeah he has an age I, I find the funny thing is what you've been able to do is get little snippets of whatever popular culture Wayne Bennett has ingested I mean to think that he's even up to date with Yellowstone is I know, I know. he loves it. He it, loves it. And then, but then also, like, the song that he obviously thinks about a lot is Waylon Jennings' "Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys." I, unbelievable. And you know, I've, as we said, it's all in the song. Yeah, it's all in the song, and it's like, what? <laughs> Let him be doctors and lawyers and such. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get to see much of him, but I remember in the pandemic we saw a little bit of him, and it was almost mafioso. You know, a little bit like of. Uh, who he is off the clock yeah. when they got caught down at the Grappa restaurant in, in Leichhardt, you know, outside of the bubble and he couldn't I coach know. the Rabbitohs for a couple of weeks because they had this COVID bubble where you weren't allowed to be outside of your team. And oh, you're, okay, yeah. Um, Established by an NRL sort of subcommittee on which, which he was on. Mm. <laughs> so he's breaking, breaking the... He said, I, I said, I don't know the rules. It's like, Wayne, you're on the committee that made yeah. up the rules. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden I was like, I know he doesn't drink, I know he doesn't swear, I know he doesn't gamble. But he does these long lunches with these old friends he at these it. dodgy old restaurants in dodgy old suburbs, and he kind of lives that life that no one ever thought he did. Uh, you know, no one yeah. thought he really enjoyed the fruits of, you know, 
a big long lunch. He he he, <laughs> he loves it. He loves a long lunch. Yeah. He loves he loves a long lunch with journos. Yeah, yeah, certain select journos, so he can plant the seeds of what he wants out there. But Alan Langer told me a, a great story about just how he loves. What do you say? He gets drunk on the atmosphere right. of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So he'll always be at the bar after a game, drinking water, or he'll be there with them late in the night. Or he loves going to lunch with all these old players, and they'll be into the beers. But he'll he'll get drunk on intoxicated on the conversation, yeah. you know. And that's when you get all the secrets. If you're the only sober person and everyone's drunk, that can well, be very fun as well. Exactly. I won't, I look, I I won't know, reveal I'm, Bob Catter's secrets, but he does. <laughs> people think he's drinking booze a lot of the time, and he isn't. Oh, that's yeah. disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> White milk and beanly rum. <laughs> <laughs> That's how. Yeah. Still looks the same without rum in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that old trick. <laughs> so he does. Do you think he um, he's a bit of a gossip girl? I know. I've, I've dealt with Wayne for a while. He he is an old gossip. He loves a chat. Like I wrote it in the book. Like there'd be times there where he just. For someone who like said, "Oh, I don't really give a shit whether people, uh, you know, what they think of me," but I'll help you with the book. And then, you know, two days later, I was thinking you should put this in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he loves chatting about what's go- what's going on down there in Sydney. Who's doing this? Who's yeah, doing yeah, what? Yeah. You know, he loves the game. He got a all, bit of FOMO too. <laughs> he would have a bit of FOMO. Yeah. yeah. We saw him kind of really dig his heels in and and, and look after his players at the Rabbitohs, which he's done throughout his whole career, but. There were certain things happening uh, in, this, in the media cycle that really, you know, pushed him over the edge, with, particularly with Latrell Mitchell. One of his own players that he's comforting mm. in the sheds after a loss is crying and, you know, the media turns that into a kind of a sideshow. Yeah, sure. Um, and he spits the dummy. Do you think Do you think there's people he truly resents in the media? Do you think there's people that he, he he's blacklisted, just won't deal with because of what they've done by him or his players? I think so, yeah, there are. But I think Wayne's savvy enough to know that it's a long game. Yeah, right. You know, and the, and the journos that he, or even people throughout the game that he's, yeah. you know, dismissed and given life to, he'll come back to if he yeah. needs them. You know, he's, he's done that many times. But there's lots of... He's very good at being the buffer between his players and the public and the scrutiny yeah. and the press. And I've seen him do that many times there. He's a mar- he's a genius of deflection. Yeah. You know, it's an old tactic from, you know, Alex Ferguson when he's at Manchester yeah. United. It, it happens in all other in many other sports, but he's very very good at making if Souths have lost by 40 points, yeah. he'll come out and start whinging about the referee or yeah. saying something about another journal or, or or the other team, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, look over there. Well, we start yeah. talking about that. We'll, we'll ignore the fact that you've just been lapped by Penrith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he, put thirty points on you, and it happens so often. Yeah. but it happens. It just keeps happening over and over again. And other coaches try to do it, and it's like, mate, you're not Bennett. Yeah, Ricky. You know? Ricky yeah. does. Ricky's very good at him. Yeah. Although I think Ricky's just just. Yeah, that's his Do you think that's honest? Th- he's oh, just yeah, losing I know his Ricky, temper after I know match. Ricky very well. Yeah, that, I just think he's a cranky, cranky man. <laughs> yeah, right. Good fun, but yeah. a cranky man. <laughs> you write in your book, you kind of dedicate the book to rugby league, which you say always keeps your heart and notepad full. Yes. Can you tell us about the beginning of this romance? You know, where, where were, you? were you? Were you in Coffs Harbour growing up? Where were you? I grew up just uh, just south of Coffs Harbour, a little town called Yurunga. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was born... It's like a death sentence into uh, St. George yeah, yeah. <laughs> supporter. Because yeah. uh, your old man's got to see them win. Your old man got to see them win. Exactly. That, that time. <laughs> in the olden days. I had no choice. And I just loved the game. And I my, you know, I came from a family of brickies. Yep. And they, my dad was just determined 
for me not to, you know, work as hard as he did. Yep. Mm. Um, and I love riding and I love league and it was, you know, becoming a sports journal was a perfect way to marry the two together. I read a book by Adrian McGregor on Wally Lewis in yep. 1987, King Wally. It was a, Back when they thought he was going to run for Labor. That's and, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> and, but I remember reading that book and thinking, God, I'd love to do that for a living. I'd love to, you know, yeah. cover rugby tell league for a living. Yeah, tell those stories. And yeah. then uh, a few years later, I went to the 91 grand final, Penrith and Canberra. Yep. Uh, so I didn't have any skin in the in the yeah, result, yeah, yeah. but I remember walking up. It was a fantastic game. Walking back through the the crowd after the game, right past the press box, I went. That's what I want to do, mm. and, that's, and you, that's what I've been doing ever since. Were you of the cadetship era? You went and studied. I did. I know. I studied and then did. Um, so I did. I did four years at Newcastle Uni. Yep. And then in my final year, I worked full time doing my cadetship at the Maitland Mercury. In, yep. uh, in uh, the Hunter Valley. Still around, isn't it? The Still around, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. in paper form, sadly. Mm. Um, but that was a great grounding. I got to cover so many different yeah. sports. I used to work my ass off every every day. Far, yeah. far more than I do these days. Did you find, <laughs> yeah. did you find as a sports journal in the bush, towns have different sports? You know, in Australia, like, there's occasionally yeah, you're a hockey town. That's a, what they live and breathe. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. That's yeah. strong in lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, lots no. of netball stories. Yeah, yeah. I was going through the archives of the Mercury a few years ago, and there's like a back page, and I've got, I've got Edna King, the uh, <laughs> the pairs winner of the, you know, yeah. Newcastle District pairs. Yeah, like yeah. that was our back page story. Yeah, but, but I, <laughs> I loved it. I, I'm still mates with a lot of people from, um, from those days. Maitland days. Yeah, I really, I, you know, it's. Because you're just covering the sport. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, you're and poli- everything, politically everyone. Yeah, you were not you, touching about yeah, touching. Yeah, you're not blowing up councils there. <laughs> yeah, everyone no, likes you. No, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was, they were good days. So rugby league has obviously been something that uh, you've worked on a lot of things in a lot of places, but this has been some like a golden thread in your career, I guess. It's, as we said at the start of this interview, it's hard to ignore this game, this mm-hmm institution that Australia's definitely made their own, uh, you know, whether it came with the British soldiers during, you know, whenever, mm. how it got here, where it came from is regardless because it's got this mutation that's very much an Australian thing now, particularly uh, North and East Australia. Other sports aren't like this. In mm. soccer in Australia, you know, we've had our fair share of people go in the EPL and become household names. Rugby, you know, we've had a golden era there and uh, AFL obviously chugs along. Those sports don't have this eccentric flair that rugby league does. You know, they have the same scandals. Young blokes get rich and famous too quick and this is what happens. Yes. Why do you think – I mean, even Wayne Bennett in himself is like this stoic stalwart of the game is a little bit weird. You know what I mean? He's a little bit funny and a little bit bizarre. And and you see that even with the players. the, The shit they get up to, sometimes all you can do is laugh. You know, I've been covering the game for, for <laughs> honestly, it's like, but like what you guys do, it's almost like art imitating life. It's like, it's hilarious because it's just, you couldn't make, you couldn't script it. You, you couldn't. couldn't make any, any of it up. No. You know, if you could have told me in this, you know, go heading into the second week of the NRL finals that the story of the day would be Val Holmes posting something on Instagram with a oh, a, a <laughs> bag cocaine? of... A, yeah. No, no, white powder. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. if it is Sydney cocaine, it would definitely be just white powder. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But it's like, 
the only people who can clarify <laughs> what that is were with him, <laughs> yeah. and they're saying it was white powder. Exactly. <laughs> the white powder scandal. Yeah. Only rugby leagues do yeah, that they, over and over. And, but only, but it gets on to spot itself. You know, yeah. that's what I, that's what I cracks me up about the game. People going, oh, this is the mums, the dads, the children. People aren't going to be following it. They're not going to yeah. let their kids play it. Bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah, it's no. still going to be this. It's still the. It's still the game of the masses. Yeah. In two little states. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's <laughs> in a, this corner of the world. It's it's a funny one. You go. You go. It just keeps chugging along, and people say that now with like concussions and, and that those conversation. And obviously, it's a conversation that could have we could have been having a lot earlier, hmm. but we're having this conversation. And I, you know, I was talking to some people the other day, and they was kind of saying, "Oh, I guess where the game could end up is it's just you know, a game for uh, you know kids trying to get out of." Low socioeconomic areas, and you know, desperate families, and they—they're not listening to the. I don't think that'll be the case. I think kids will yeah. keep playing. I, I mean, people will. know the best way to avoid getting concussions or concussion trauma is to not play. People are still going to play. It's a—it's mm. a sense of community in a town, and the demographics might be changing alongside Australia's kind of Australian demographics. But I think we're still going to have a well-rounded. Well-rounded inclusion in the communities that play rugby league, everyone's going to be playing it, and it's not going to—it's not going to stop anytime soon. And more women are playing it. Mm. Mm. It's the biggest growth area of the game. Mm. We're getting paid to play. That's the difference. That too. helps. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. It but like helps. the participation of, of women's rugby league is yeah. through the roof. Far yeah. more than men. Yeah. Far more than 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 males. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's that's why there's so much. Uh, investment into it. <laughs> did not. No, I did not realize it. Do you watch? Do you watch it? I love yeah, it. Yeah, the I, NRLW. I almost prefer it to the NRL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's what rugby league used to be about. Yeah. Why do you think it's, it's getting belting each other, not wrestling each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think it's getting more popular with women? I'm not entirely sure. I just. It, I think. I think women's football in all those different, whether it's rugby, soccer, AFL, whatever. I think there's there's a groundswell of 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 participation in it, mm. for whatever reason. I remember I covered the uh, the women's sevens at the Rio Olympics when they won gold there, and I thought, oh, this is going to be. You just felt in the stands that day, this is going to be the start of a new sport that's going to explode in this country. Mm. And, it, and rugby never, in typical rugby fashion, yeah. never took advantage of it. And yeah. I think a lot of those athletes went to went to league. Mm. Yeah, but I, I do. It's it's funny. I've been, as I said, I've been hearing about the death of rugby league for thirty years, and it never clock. it never happens. But I think what people sort of forget, there's a prominent player who I won't name, but I'll I'll never forget. He was a player that was always troubled and always had you know very brilliant on the field, but troubled off it. Always had off field dramas, mm. and he used to feign injury a lot. Yeah. And I said, what, what's going on with this guy? To the CEO of the club, and he said, mate. From the age of about eight, that kid has feigned injury in junior football games. And I said, why is that? And he said, because his alcoholic parents, that's the only reason why he would sh- they'd show interest in him. Yeah. You know, oh. if he was actually injured on the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think people sort of forget where a lot of these yeah. players come from. So well, when they stuff up off the field. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I said not, the same thing with the bubbler, right? The bubbler. <laughs> Of all, Do you remember the we're, photo of the bubbler? With Todd Carney. Todd Carney peed in his of own all the dumb, <laughs> Of all the dumb things yeah. Todd yeah, Carney's done, the thing that. that got him ended yeah. his career <laughs> yeah. was pretending to piss in his mouth. But also, the, he's pretending he didn't. It yeah. was. It was, an, it was an illusion. Oh, okay. Like the but, white powder? Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Do you think people forget in, in circumstances like that? You know, and that was, um, I've spoken, was, was it Rioli? What was his uh, manager at the David time? Riolo, David Riolo, yeah. David Riolo, I spoke to him about it, and he said that, you know, we were on a family holiday that, that ended the moment that photo went on social media. Um, but he says, but, but people tend to forget that these kids grew up in leagues clubs. 
I mean, how old was Todd Carney when he first saw someone do that little funny party not, trick? Not many people have been banned from his hometown of like he has from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Banned from, from my hometown's yeah, a great. That's not a good one. Um, I mean, even even uh, let's see, Mitchell Pierce announced his retirement yeah. via Instagram, yeah. Graham, obviously yeah, yesterday. Yeah. I was thinking back to that amazing time when he had simulated sex with a poodle cross, yeah, 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 yeah. and then turned up and played the next game after he got suspended, and then. It came back in his return game. There was someone in the stands holding a, a photo with a, a poodle cross saying, Mitchell, it's Bella, call me. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting that in any other code, eh? Yeah. There's but the beauty of rugby great league. fun. I yeah. think that's so much fun. Yeah. Well, then they found out who the bloke was that filmed it and leaked it to the media and then all of the Roosters that's fans right. got onto his business Instagram page. It's, it's a soap opera that you get to wade into every every week. And you've got to get – got to, <laughs> when you're in my role, you can either take the piss out of it yeah. or just ignore it. Yeah. So I take the piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people take it too seriously. And if you can just, real, just accept rugby league for what it is, mm. it makes it so much easier. As a, someone who's been in, you know, been in the country towns where you know, or, or covered the stories on a grassroots level, as you said before, there's the kids with the alcoholic parents who, who, who switch on when their son looks like he's not going to be able to play football this weekend. Yeah, have you seen that? And and does that kind of inform your reporting? I know it's a big part of Wayne Bennett's story. Everyone's heard about him having a pretty bleak kind of childhood, um, you know, with the booze and the you know, whatever else was going on in. The granite belt of Queensland in the 1950s. <laughs> I can't imagine it was all too inspiring for anyone no. out there. Do you keep that in mind? Is that something you've got to keep in mind? Wait, what do you mean in terms of their background you, or where they've I mean, come you from? You could be dealing with kids who have got full-blown PTSD. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I do. Mm. I do. I try and – you know what? Not early on. You know, you sort of sit there and you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself yeah. as well. You yes. know, and you go hard. And, and then, you're but, a young bloke too, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I, you think, oh, well, you know, I've never made those mistakes, so yeah. why are you? But then you get a bit older and you understand the world a bit better yeah. and realise that people come from all different backgrounds. So, you know, I, I try not to be – I try not to judge. If, but if someone does yeah. something ridiculous yeah. and yeah. Some does some, someone does something serious, bizarre, bizarre then, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it's bizarre, yeah. take the piss. If it's yeah. serious, yeah. then be a bit critical. Yeah, yeah. That's my – there's, yeah. there's my journalism philosophy. Because, yeah. you know, we're also talking – we also forget that amongst all of these poor little boys that – you know, come from all these poor little towns and end up making millions of dollars. There's also an ego. You know, we're talking about the, what this book kind of touches on. Um, with Wayne Bennett, it manifests itself in different ways. But with the the footballers, often we see a sense of entitlement. And that's what really pisses off the public. It does. Yeah. But I always think, God, if you threw 800000 at me a yeah. year when I was 21 or 22. Yeah, what do they expect? I'd, You'd become I bulletproof. I, well, I I'd, I'd, I'd stuff it up more mm. than anybody. Like, I I get it. I think I, I blame more the clubs, the managers, you know, the yeah. coaches. They're the ones that need to... Who's got the best infrastructure for, for the ticking time bomb that is a 18-year-old with a million dollars in his pocket? In terms of a club? Yeah. Ooh, it, you know what? It's It changes... But I know they hate each other. But the roosters, the roosters and South are very good yeah. with all that. We in terms of like support yeah. from a real young age. Yeah. The Broncos too, Penrith. You can tell. You can yeah. tell. It's sort of the difference between the clubs now is the, a good club and a, yeah. a a strong club and and one that's that's battling is usually that type of staff. The support around their players. Yeah. Yeah, and if there is a drama, then they'll they'll you know they'll stamp it out and and deal with it really quickly. Can you name anyone else who has this kind of mythology around them in the game? I would think, I mean, obviously no one, you've written a book about Wayne Bennett because he can't be doubled. Like he won't be, yeah. there'll be nothing like that ever again that we see in this game. 
especially just with, the, as we said, 900 first-grade games. Mm. But there's, there are a few figures. Even if they're even rugby league adjacent, they kind of have this immortality to them. You know, we saw what's happened with Paul Kent has proven that, you know, no one is above the uh, above the sword. No. Um, but, you know, Ray Hadley or Peter Volandis, you have these kind of complicated figures that the public love and absolutely loathe at the same time. Mm. What is it like in the landscape that you have to live in? Are there people that you have to actually kiss the ring or do you have to... Not me, brother. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm sort of... I'm beyond all that now, yeah. you know. I, you know, you do when you're reporting yeah. that you've got to... You know, you've got to rely on having yeah. strong relationships with people like Peter Volandis. I, I don't yeah. really want them to like me or yeah. even, you know, think that they could drop me a story, yeah. but I'd rather they respect me, mm. yeah. you know. So I've been pretty hard on Volandis over the last yeah. two or three years yeah. because no one else has been yeah. really. But he rolls with that. We yeah. have our ups and downs, but that's the job. So And same with Bolts, same yeah. with Ray, yeah. <laughs> who, yeah. I, who I'm, I'm getting on with. This week. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much more complicated than I thought. There's no people that are genuinely... It's all functional rivalries and functional kind of... It's ruthless. Yeah. It's a ruthless... I remember a CEO said to me years ago, I said, mate, this game is so ruthless. Mm. And people intimidate. Now, the late Bob Fulton, I remember when I was a young journo, called me out of the blue one day and said, he said, what's your agenda? I went, oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Mm. stories yeah yeah you know everyone thinks that there's there's an agenda behind yeah. what you write or how you yeah. act or what you do and it's like it's not sometimes it's just not that yeah. that um that complicated i've got an old mate called brian barry who's turning 100 next year oh wow and he was an old referee in the new south Is that wales the one we, we yeah, met? he's very we, charming we got to very introduce him to, to nico hines the other day but he um he was a referee and he tells a story about basically the manly mafia when he uh, there was a game out there was a game out west uh, Magpies versus Manly and Mag, um, it went down to the bell and Manly lost and Manly thought that he stuffed it up which it sounds like they were just you know sour grapes um, and so the name you mentioned before uh, meddled and he ended up the next week being bumped down to a third grade touchy at Brookvale. That sounds like the game I love and know. <laughs> the, the referee the, had to stand on the sideline in front oh, of the yeah. fans the next weekend for yeah for a full match. Um, yeah, I, you just forget that, the, and it's spiteful. It's Ooh, just... spiteful <laughs> agendas, conspiracy, <laughs> hate, yeah. anger. No, what I've got from working in this office and being around. You know, Mount you guys Rangers. who, yeah. who <laughs> love NRL, is that it's so there's so much gossip. There's just oh, gossip shit, all yeah. the time. Always, always, <laughs> always. If you only knew the half of it. <laughs> and does it? What I was getting at before with those Volandis and Hadley figures who kind of enter, you know, folklore outside of sport uh, in in many aspects. Does this world, you know, in Queensland and New South Wales and Canberra? Does this add to your CV, having some sort of involvement in a game that people love? Like, can, do people end up doing well in the corporate world like they would in, you know, soccer or in, you know, in England uh, and, and that kind of stuff? A little, yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah. a, lot of, a, lot of, um, like a lot of the CEOs now, like, say, Blake Solly at South, yeah. um, have worked in the Premier League or yeah. worked overseas, yeah. you know. So they've, I always find it funny, though, when someone from the corporate world comes into rugby league. <laughs> like, the NRL a few times have had corporate media managers who have come from 
from government or uh, there was a guy there was a guy who actually was the um, Peter Grimshaw who was uh, Barry O'Farrell's media advisor yeah. when he was premier, and then he came over to rugby league and he said, mate. Macquarie Street's got nothing on this game <laughs> at all. Here, <laughs> you know, I was thinking it, it was supposed to make sense. Yeah, exactly. It's not meant he to said, make sense. Mate, he said he said there's nothing at all, like in terms of the duplicity duplicity of people and yeah. the Machiavellian way they go about things. He said it's nothing on Macquarie Street, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So, so you know, back in the day, in the if you're in the New South Wales Police Force or the Queensland Police Force, you'd shoot through the ranks if you were a handy footballer. Absolutely. Um, is it a people like that still thriving in, you know, outside of the game, or is it you kind of need to you need to stay close to the game? I think you, know? you need to stay close to the game. Yeah. Like it is, it's yeah. still at yeah. the end of the day, it is still allegedly a professional sport. So <laughs> <laughs> you've got to get you get by on your merits a lot. Like, but those clubs that have really professionalised, like the Roosters, South Storm has. The storm, uh, yeah. for sure. You know, they're yeah. they're all and the Broncos. Yeah. The, if you become a, if that's the only way you're going to survive, really. Who, who, well, who, meanwhile, the poor old dragons are languishing <laughs> down there, living off, you know, what yeah. they get off the leagues clubs, yeah. trying to do their best. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think uh, there's a few clubs that if we, you know, save New South Wales, Chris Minns went and banned poker machines tomorrow? Oh. Which clubs would die? That's a very loaded question. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Like clubs like the Tigers, like yeah. the, you look at the West they Tigers. The thing. I remember, like <laughs> one of the. I won't say the name of the uh, of the official of the West Tigers who said it. So why do you want us sacked? I said, I don't want you sacked. I said, oh, you guys are great fun. <laughs> <laughs> but commercially, that's the thing with the Tigers. They make heaps of money. They do. They just can't win many games. Where do they make the money, Campbelltown? I think uh, commercially, I think they've just they've managed to drag in plenty of sponsorship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're well supported. Yeah. West Ashfield's a. Yeah. You know? Uh, trigger, ta- trigger Monday Boff. Taj Mahal. Trigger Boff's got a bit of philanthropy. He's, he's got too. a little bit of money <laughs> there too. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, just can't win any games. What's another yarn you want to tell? I mean, I mean. From I, the Bennett's book? No, just in terms. In, in this game, what's another kind of ornament that you think needs oh. to be skewered? I mean, you probably don't. You don't <laughs> have to tell us because, you know, you've probably got competitors out there or rivals out there. But, uh, you know, there's people telling yarns in this game. And you're now, you've, you've you've proven obviously that you that you can get the access for someone like Wayne Bennett and get that story told. I suppose the thing that always interests me. This isn't so much a yarn, but I think it says a lot about the game that the thing that it always fascinates me that 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 like you look at the Roosters and Souths. Mm-hmm. You got Nick, Nick Pilatus, who's worth two point two billion dollars. Yeah. That's what according to BRW, yeah. or according to the Finn these yeah. days. Um, and then you got Russell Crowe, who's won Oscars and yeah. worth, you know, got more money than God, and still punish themselves, by and still pu- and like just <laughs> and just like and get bent out of shape over the smallest of stories. Like I remember Nick called me once. This is years ago when Craig Fitzgibbon was getting pushed out the door because of salary cap, yeah. and I said I wrote that that was the case. It was like a tiny little postage stamp of a story in the Herald when it was a big broadsheet, and he, and he called me one day and he's he's like. Fuck you. I'm never fucking talking to you again. This is a joke. Um, you know, it's such a sensitive issue. I said, oi, 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 Nick. I said, come on. I said, it's, it's, I wrote it really soft. I've written plenty of good stories about the roosters. And he went, oh, okay, it's okay, baby. 
<laughs> I love you. It's just a very, it's a very sensitive issue. I could hear this water, and I said, lapping in his feet. And I said, where are you? And he said, I'm in Greece at the beach. <laughs> I said, yeah, come on, let it go. He was on holiday. Yeah, yeah like he'd, he'd flown over there in his private jet. And I was like, oh, really, you've got nothing better to worry about than. Yeah. But that just shows you the passion for well, the and game. It's you know, funny, someone like Nick Politis is funny in that you know. Well, it's, I mean, there's something you can talk about. That one little island off Greece where they all come out of the um, Kithara with yeah. fucking Vlandis, Politis, MJ Chickens, and Pappas. They're and all there. Yeah. But you do get these funny stories where you have the kind of these, you know, immigrant stories where, I mean, tell me about uh, Politis. Was he in any way interested in the game before he decided to be the City Ford sponsor? No. He was a soccer fan. So he fell in yeah. love through a commercial decision. Yeah, to try and make money out of the game and then became so passionate and about it and took he took over his, and then they were battling throughout the 80s and he took over as chair and basically... So that was when it happened, right? In 93, was like, was, he became chair. You're right. Yeah. Because he was become, the club sponsor and he said, I'm now emotionally invested mm, in this. So now I'm going to take control of it because <laughs> I like to win. Yeah. Um, do you think someone like Russell Crowe, when he did what he did with the um, the Rabbit Eyes and you know took the reins there, do you think he expected it to be as difficult and Machiavellian as you said? I didn't said? think he expected it to be a money bonfire that it did. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got sick of tipping in his own money. Yeah. But he's the same. He's so like where <laughs> like where else would you see where you got you got Russell Crowe who gets his mate James Packer to buy into the club and then gets Mike Cannon-Brooks Brooks to, yeah. to buy in as well. And it like is, There's not many places, not many games where that could, yeah. you know. And still be that. considered the pride of the league and the working man's team. 100%. It's a funny... I do find that now there's a bit of sports washing, you know, in a way that people wouldn't expect, but Cannon-Brooks buying into the Rabbitohs, walking around town with, with his beard and his bunny's hat on. Double Bay Jesus. Double Bay Jesus. <laughs> he... Um, He's keeping himself down to earth in a sense, he you know, is. especially Men when you're talking people. about climate change. He's talking about all these mm. things that, you know, uh, would otherwise people would just tell him to shut up and he's an elite and la 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 la. But because uh, he's got he's got the rabbitos tick, do you think he's got the rabbitos hat? Yeah, he's got the That's hat. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one of the rare times he's been quoted in the last 12 months, he uh, was after a game, he said to one of our journos, you know, where's South Sydney, mate? We. We, we dig in. We're tough. It's like, thanks for that, Mike. Thanks for that uh, insight. <laughs> thank you I've for seen your house. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> You're slumming it there in Double Bay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a great yarn. And um, the book is, as I said, I'm enjoying it quite a lot. And I'm learning a lot more. I've been played my whole life, I'm realising now, by this gentle, stoic, old, grandfatherly figure that was actually you know, puppeteering me as a member of the public and as well as the media and as well as the players and the opponents and opposing coaches. Wayne Bennett is a hell of a story and, and a complex one and one with a lot of layers we're learning. And we've discussed a little bit of that today, but there's plenty more in there. Thank you for joining us, Andrew Webster. Thanks so much for having me.